Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, former OU All-American Rufus Alexander joins us to talk about Well, everything that has happened over the last couple of weeks, we give you the latest OU football updates in the National College Football Roundup. We update the college football QB carousel and hit the highlights of a few of this week's bowl games, and we finish up giving you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us, all right? Our man, Michael Hostie, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, December 23rd. Well, actually, it's we're, we're recording this Wednesday morning, so that we're going earlier than normal. But you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in December from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $60,000 in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's $60,000 Rudolph's Riches promotion. Drawings are every 30 minutes, and grand prize winners will be selected at 11.59. If you need help finding your way, just visit Riverwind.com, Riverwind Casino, still the one. Now, we are recording this Wednesday morning. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Also, if you want to sponsor the podcast, you can email the Oklahoma Breakdown at gmail.com. Ted, it is, it is the week of Christmas, chaos. How you do it? It looks like you're playing a road game today. Playing a road game. 
hanging out at my sister's house. We're in Jinx. Uh, everything's been good. Been a chaotic week. It's going to continue to be chaotic, um, but that's just how it is. Rolling through it, man. How do we? How do we feel about Christmas on a Saturday? It it's kind of awesome, but kind of not, right? Like I, I've been trying to decide which day I like my holidays to be on. Like Fourth of July. Oh, get, give me a weekend Fourth of July. Like there's no doubt, but like a Christmas Saturday for I, I don't know, man. I don't I, know. I want I want middle of the week holidays. I, I think what's probably best is probably a Wednesday or a Thursday. Um, to where if it's on a weekend, it doesn't feel like you're getting your bang for your buck. You know what I'm saying? Need a little, a little bit of extra time off during the work week. Yeah. It, and it's one of those things where it's like, okay, yeah, I get Friday off, but it's Christmas Eve. Like I would get Christmas Eve off anyways. Right. Yeah. So have we established our stance? We are, we are anti Christmas on a Saturday. Yeah. We're midweek Christmas shows. What we're, what we are, I think. Yeah, but hey, we're still recording. Got to give the people what they want. And we've got Rufus Alexander, an awesome interview with Rue, uh, talking about Brent Venables, talking about Schmitty, tells an awesome <laughs> Schmitty story. So make sure you don't miss that. You're, you're going to want to listen to it. But let's get to the OU stuff. So it's a little weird. So normally in bowl practice, you basically turn it into – a mini spring practice and normally bull practice is utilized to get a bunch of your younger players or your freshmen, your red shirt, freshmen, you know, those guys that haven't played significant snaps for you. It it's a time for them to get better. I, man, I go back and think about my freshman year and what bowl practice was like, and we were getting ready for the sun bowl. So uh, no one in the program was happy. So we basically, I mean, the young guys, it was inside drill, team run, and then basically scrimmaging at the end. I mean, we got after it, but it was one of those things where, Ted, I felt like I got better, like I improved as a football player. Now, I didn't know the position change was coming just a couple of months later, but it was, I, I thought it was really valuable for me, and this team isn't getting that right now because of all the craziness with the coaching change and how the coaches had to hit the recruiting trail and the impact that early signing day has had now. And I, I talked to Neil Brown the other day, West Virginia's head coach about it. And he said something that was interesting. He said that bowl practice, like it used to be a time when you got, got working, right. When, when you, when you really got working and, he said, now you kind of have to find the balance of working, but also rewarding your players for making a bowl. So it was, I, I thought it was really interesting that he said that. And I, I know OU circumstances is unique with all the craziness that's happened over the last couple of weeks, but it's just weird that, you know, we, the team really hasn't practiced. I mean, they have what uh, they practice on Monday. And then they let the guys go home for a couple of days and Hey, it's Christmas. I get it. But just, it's just odd. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things. I, I think every, every, every bowl game, the situation is a little bit different. I, 
for instance, whenever my freshman year, we went to the Orange Bowl. And I think we were down there maybe 10 days. So we had we had a full on. I'm telling you, it was training camp. We had ones versus ones tackling to the ground scrimmages like brutal, long inside drills. I think we did Oklahoma drill. It was nuts, man. I we had I, and I think it's a reminder like you're going to Miami and yeah, it's a bowl game. We're here to party. We're here to have fun, but we're trying to win a national championship. So lest anyone forget what we're here for, let's remind everyone real quickly. And I'm curious to see how Bob handles this because yes, it's a reward. I, I kind of hate that line of thinking because it, you don't want to reward someone for going seven and five and get and going to a bowl game. Like that shouldn't be a reward. That shouldn't be a good job, guys. I mean, maybe some places that that you get a reward for that, but at Oklahoma, you don't get a reward for that. So what this is is an extended period uh, to get some work in, and I'm curious because Venables. Would like this is a great opportunity to see what he's got on his roster. So I'm curious to see if they go they go down there and they get it on. You know what I'm saying? And and try and get at least go hard some and try and get a feel for what they've got on that roster. And you know, I, I there's got to be a fine line between getting work and a reward. Personally, I believe your reward is your bowl gift and the opportunity to play in the game. The rest of it, if we're not improving, then what in the heck are we doing here? The last thing we ever want to do is is get the the muscle memory or the feeling that, oh, whenever we're in the postseason, it's party time and it's easy, right? Uh, we need to have the mentality of, oh, my God, when we're going to a bowl game, get ready, boys, because we're going to have four or five practices where it's everything that you got. Yeah, so Sooners practice Monday, uh, letting the guys go home for a couple days. Then it sounds like, you know, coming back Christmas Eve, that that Christmas Eve practice that they'll have in Norman will be a typical Monday of a game week. So they'll practice in Norman, then they'll fly to San Antonio, I think later that day, and then Christmas Day, which is, on a Saturday this year, which we have established, not a fan, not a fan. They'll, that'll be a Tuesday of game week down in San Antonio. So that's that's a big work day. How about a big work day on Christmas Day? I like it. I like it. I'm curious. I'm curious how, how Smitty's treating this whole thing. Because there's got to be, there's got to be somewhat of a ramp up period. I don't think he's, I don't think they're going to absolutely crush these guys, but here's the thing, man. There's a good chance you have an out-of-shape football team. They've had a ton of time off, right? So you have to figure out some type of way to keep those guys in shape over – it's going to be, what, a month since they played their last game, and there hasn't been a whole lot of practice in between either. Yeah, because you lose game shape pretty quick. Real quick, and, and that's – I think that's something, you know, for, you know, people that haven't played football 
it's hard to understand. Like there is a massive difference between lifting and running and then actually playing even practice. Yeah, it, it is. It's just hard to simulate. I, 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 people have tried for decades and decades to get football players in shape to play football. And man, I, there's just, there's just not a way to specifically work a guy into football shape other than you get on the practice field and you practice your ass off. Like I, that that's it, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, and the, the thing that you worry about is not just going out there and being out of shape during the game and, and losing the game, but you get hurt whenever you're tired and you're fatigued. So whenever you've got guys that are, that are fresh, that are in shape, that are, are calloused and ready to play football, that's, that's whenever you typically have less injuries. So it's something that it's not just about, you know, being competitive and, you know, trying to develop the, the proper mindset to attack bowl games. It's also about protecting the players. Right. And w- with how important of an offseason it's going to be, for this program, right, for Brent Venables to instill his culture and Schmitty to do his thing. Like, you want all your guys healthy going into that type of offseason. You know, one of the one of the worst things that happens, guy get gets hurt in a bowl game and then is injured in the offseason and can't can't make that jump, right? Can't make, you know, can't develop the way that this new strength and conditioning staff would want them to develop in the way that this new head coach would want them to develop. So yeah, you gotta you gotta get these guys in shape to play this game to protect them in a weird way. I, I know that sounds it's like, hey, make them miserable so that they don't get injured. It, it's a it, it's an interesting concept. No, it, it's it's totally right. That's it's exactly right. And there's there's a fine balance there, but uh, they're always going to lean on the side of being conditioned. I mean, that that's, that's where the term comes from. You have to condition yourself to be able to play in those, in that type of environment. Um, it's going to be on turf. It's going to be in a dome. A uh, weather's not going to be a factor, but it's, it's still, it's going to be, it's going to be a physical outing. It's going to be, you know, it, it it's going to be tough. So like I said, like that, in in football terms, the amount of time that they have uh, they have had off recently is a lifetime. So, it's you you worry about the injury thing a little bit because you're right. It's going to be a very very important off season. Yeah. Okay. So some of the players have reached out to me unprovoked. I've I've I haven't said anything. They've slid in my DMs, and it's basically just been to tell me that. They really like some of the changes that have been made offensively. And, you know, one guy, the way he put it is like, we are doing some common sense things that, you know, some of the players never understood why they didn't do it a certain way. And and we all know that Lincoln Riley is one of the brightest minds in offensive football. He had an incredible amount of success. It's hard to argue with the results, but... I think things now, you know, with Levy coming in, uh, with Joe John having a bigger role, it, it sounds like things have gotten a little more organized. You know, getting getting Kale Gundy ready to call plays in the Alamo Bowl, 
the coaches, they've changed the way that they watch film as an offense. Yeah. The call sheet is no longer a tiny piece of paper. Ted, the call sheet is now bigger, more organized. It's broken up into detailed situations. They've they got a play between- sheet that everyone knows about. That's interesting. And yes, and actually, they actually go over it with the players. Are we going to have a first 15? They're going to have a first 15. Oh, my God. Wow. Amazing. So you look at this call sheet. Runs, passes broken up. They've got personnel groupings on there. Down and distance? Down and distance situations. (laughs) Play types. Play actions. It's insane. No, but I can't stress enough like how, how much easier that makes an offensive player's life when when you have that sense of organization when you know the what honestly what these guys didn't know what the first play of the game was going to be ever right i mean that's well, a hard way to play football as a college kid i mean it just is so you look at them uh, i think that the staff the offensive staff that has been assembled and, and the guys that have stayed on board they have made it a point of emphasis to make it as easy as possible on the players. And, you know, a couple guys that reached out to me, they've told me they, they're getting more feedback from the coaches. They're getting their notes, and they really like it. They, it, feels, it feels more collaborative to them. And that, that's important, in my opinion. Like, I think that's the way, that's the best way to develop chemistry between coaches and players and I think it's a really good formula to play some to play some good football on the offensive side. No, I agree. And so an offensive defense are different, but like for me, defensively, uh, being able to stay a little bit ahead of the chains mentally is is big because everything happens fast out there. So the way a defensive uh, call sheet works, usually called a ready list, is You've got situations on on your your call sheet. Uh, first and ten, you know this is the the coverages, the fronts, and the blitzes that we're going to go with uh, in in those down and distance. Like you got a third and long section, you've got a short yardage and goal line section, you've got a red zone section. Uh, so whenever you're out on the field, I know the ready list. I know how we practice that week. So if all of a sudden uh, it's second and 10, we get a big sack. Okay. And now it's, it's third and 14 as that happens. And I'm preparing for the next snap. I'm already pre-sorting in my head. What probably is going to happen? Like one or two blitzes, one or two calls, um, you know, like what their personnel groupings that we've prepared for, like whenever you have it all sectioned out, just those couple of seconds, like eliminating the last situation from your head and getting prepared for the next situation and staying ahead of it. Whenever the call comes in, I'm already expecting it. I'm already uh, making, you know, some of those arrangements in my head as to what to expect from the offense. So I'm sure it's the exact same thing on whenever you're, you're situationally aware on offense, you know, what's about to happen. You're kind of pre-sorting the playlist as to, I bet we go with this, this, or this in this situation. And you can start to get your ducks in a row 
for those types of plays. And it doesn't hit you like, oh my gosh, I didn't, I didn't expect that to come in. Right. No, it's, I, I think it, it's all about making guys comfortable and making them confident, right? It, it, you play better football when you know what's coming. If it's you don't true. know what's coming, the game is borderline impossible to play. It is. It's very, very difficult if there's a lot of mystery involved. And of course, I always you, tell everyone, like, as the linebacker, if I don't have it down to like two or three plays exactly as to what's coming, or at least like the concept in the passing game, like for coverage, it's you're not going to make it. You may fall into a play, but you ain't going to make one. So, you know, for the offense now, you've got these situations, right? That they're practicing. You've got this con these concepts that they're practicing. It's broken down. It's separated. It's organized. They work the concepts. They work the situations. And then they watch it on film after. So it, it, it's one of those things where it's just, it's easy to follow along. And then when things are that organized, it allows you to work ahead, right? Just like you're saying, like it allows you to start taking a look at the practice tomorrow because everything is just, it's so streamlined and structured. And, and I know not everyone does it that way, but I've always thought that's the best way to do it. Right. I've always thought that having that type of organization, you know, work in certain situations on certain days in practice that way, I would always. So like if, if Wednesday, you know, you're doing third and long, right? Well, Tuesday night, after you've reviewed everything from, from Tuesday's practice, Tuesday night, you're getting a little extra film in. What do you start looking at? You start looking at what the opposing defense does on third and long. And it, it just, it just helps your preparation so much. So I, uh, yeah, hearing hearing that from a couple of guys that got me fired up. Now, I, I'm I don't know if they're going to go put a fifty piece on Oregon in the Alamo Bowl. I got no idea, but I think establishing that now, like that structure, and getting that in place, and then uh, it seems like Levy is also a very organized guy as well. I just. I just am excited for the offensive players. It seems like it's just going to be easier to play on that side of the ball in this program. No, I like it too. And, you know, we always, as you view football, whether you're watching it on TV or you're at a game, however it is you're taking it in, it appears to be a fluid operation, right? The game is fluid. But really when you break it down, you know, offensively, if you've got 75 snaps in a game, you have 75 situations. Everything is situational, and it's all really broken down, and you should be able to practice that way. What's the down and distance? Where are we at on the field? What's the personnel grouping? What's the score? What's the weather? Like, you if you put all of that mix, those, all of the situations together, you know how to prepare, you know how to play, and you know how to go execute a given play because you know what the you know what the situation is, so you know what the needed outcome is. Yep. All right. One other thing, or a couple other things. Uh, so, COVID is back to being a big concern in college football. Uh, saw Michigan, their team, they're going to get their booster shot together. On Wednesday, right, uh, they're wearing masks in meetings, they're social distancing, and 
clearly they're doing that all because they're they're going to the college football playoff. They want to win a championship. Alabama is back to doing uh, a lot of that stuff as well, right? They've basically gone back to their protocols from last season. Uh, we've seen Georgia, right? JT Daniels, he's got COVID. What does that mean for Georgia's quarterback room heading into the college football playoff? Like it just, it it has become an issue, right? You see it in the pro leagues as well. But last I heard, right, as of today, OU doesn't have any COVID issues on the team. Now, who knows what happens with all the kids going home and then coming back? Like that's that's the risk you run, but at least the last time they were together, there wasn't a big COVID issue. There wasn't any COVID issues on this team, so that's positive. But who knows, man? I mean, it, it, it's crazy how this is affecting football teams. Yep, and it's almost to the calendar year exactly as to the the wave last year this is right whenever it came through uh pretty much everyone i knew including myself uh this time last year ended up getting covid uh it was crazy how many people had it. and i think that same thing's going to happen you just hope that you can dodge it long enough to be able uh to get through traveling playing get back home and hopefully it doesn't affect the game and obviously uh everyone's health and, and everything is, is first and foremost, but it's going to affect some games out there. You just hope it's not, not yours or I don't even know what they would do with the playoff. If you started having teams just totally get run through. I don't know, man. I hope, I hope we don't have to find out, but like, it's my fear that it is, it's going to play a role and deciding who wins the national championship this year and just sucks. It sucks. It's almost been two years, man. Well, it's exhausting. Take a guess who has the deepest roster. Yeah. Yeah. Like all time. Yep. (laughs) Okay. Uh, One last thing. So the Jaron Canick situation, right? Stud linebacker from Kansas. You know, we talked about him decommitting. From Clemson, Ted, you felt good about him ending up at Oklahoma. Well, due to some investigating by by multiple people that cover Oklahoma football, it has been uncovered that he is enrolled at OU. And I loved Baker Mayfield's tweet that he sent to him. Uh, what do you say? I like your style. Sometimes you just got to go and roll and handle your own business. I thought that was great, but. What do you think? Because I, I wonder how Venables feels about this because, you know, he he is so loyal to Dabo and that guy was headed to Clemson. And I I, I don't think Venables was like, hey, enroll. Let's try to keep this under wraps or anything like this. But I, ju- I just wonder it becoming public this way. Uh, I wonder how that sits with BV. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the way how you've heard him talk about uh, Sweeney and Clemson and his time there and doing things the right way. And uh, he's not going to recruit those guys. And we talked about it. There's only so much you can do. If, if you're not actively going out, searching those guys up and they are beating down your door to come play for you at some point, you have to say, uh, I'm sorry, this is where they want to go. They're not going to play there. 
I don't want them to go do something they don't want to do. Obviously, they're good players. I feel like they can help our program. Didn't want it to go down this way, but I, you know, it's there's not really a whole lot you can do. If you've got a spot available for them, you know they're going to help you. They're telling you they don't want to play at the other place. The only reason they were going there is because of you. At, at some point, you know, you've done everything that you can. Right? Aside from publicly coming out and saying, you cannot come here. There's not a place for you. I, there's, there's really nothing else you can do. And, you know, Venables, you know, he said this from the very beginning. And I feel like now that enough of this stuff has come out, Gabe, you, you were standing right there whenever we were talking to BV about the, this kid. And he's like, man, I, you know, I'm telling him, you, I don't, I want, I want you to go to Clemson to, to see how it's going to be, see how much you like it there. And, you know, that, so apparently that's not working. <laughs> Canning wants to uh, come to OU. And if, if that's what he's going to do, that's what he's going to do. So. I think Venables has made it known publicly and I'm sure privately that like, he's not trying to raid the coffers from Clemson. So I think there's going to be more to follow. I do. I I agree. And I just think I, I think it's important that people know that Brent Venables did like he didn't like orchestrate this behind the scenes or anything like that. Like Canick made this decision on his own because I do think BV cares deeply about Dabo and, and Clemson. It's clear you've, we've all heard him talk about how important uh, Dabo has been to his career and how important Clemson has been to him. I, I don't want people to think he's saying that stuff publicly and then like, you know, pulling strings behind the scenes. I, I don't think that's what happened here. I, I think you're spot on. I, I think Canick said, you know what? I'm showing up, man. Whether you like it or not, like I'm yeah. showing up. I wanted to play for you. And really, yeah, that's that's out of BV's hands. I I just feared that some people see this and they're like, oh, okay, Venables. Okay, yeah. Talk to big talk. And then, you know, you you swoop in and steal, steal one of yeah. the Clemson guys. But I I don't he think told that's how him, this went down. Right. He told him, no, you Clemson, you went to Clemson. You, you visited there. You loved it there. You wanted to commit there. You wanted to sign there. You need to go see that through and, and make sure that that's, you know, that, that is what you want. And if you get there and things turn like you, you don't end up liking it. Well then, okay, we can, we can have a discussion, but you know, clearly that didn't go go down that way and you know especially as a young kid you are you know what you want and you're going to go after it and he's got that ability right now which by the way has the makings of a fantastic football player so I'm happy about it <laughs> sorry sorry Davo I'm happy about it sorry Davo and I'm sorry if Fifi is BV's not a fan of how it all looks looks publicly, maybe, but this kid looks like he's going to be really good. So, hey, good for the suitors. Hey, when, when OU gets more quality football players, puts me in a good mood. Puts me in a good mood. That's right. So, okay, let's get to call your shot. And we asked you guys, what was the most important thing that happened this week in OU football? And we got some interesting 
responses. Ted, a lot of them had to do with Jaron Canick uh, being enrolled there at Oklahoma. This one comes from Ron at Talioki, who says, BV finally unlocking his Twitter account. You can tell the dust is starting to settle when this is on the radar as a highlight. Brent Venables Twitter account is officially public. Teddy, did you ever wow. think you'd see that? I I didn't. I was I was curious. I know that really frustrated a lot of people. So um, it's a good thing, I guess, that it's unlocked and and ready to roll. I wonder if that was a decision of his or if I. I, it's not like Joe C's telling him that you've got to unlock your Twitter account, but I, in order to be out there and get, you know, a lot of attention for the program, if that's w- what that's all about. But I kind, it was kind of cool, in my opinion, to have uh, the head coach that is kind of on lockdown a little bit, and it's not always just a uh, uh, an ad campaign for the university, but I don't know. I know a lot of people follow it and get their information that way. So pretty cool. This has, this has Thad turnip seed written all over it. <laughs> probably, probably that so. Thad throwing his weight around, baby. He's like, Hey, we got to do the social media stuff. I'm sorry, but we got to, uh, this other one comes from Jody Manning who said, not losing any of our players this week. That is, that's something we haven't talked a ton about, but Venables has gotten the job. And it seems like all the current players, which you got to retain your current players when a coaching change happens, like it's, it, it's a must. Like he's done a great job of, I don't want to say convincing, but just like, it seems like he's done a great job of connecting with these guys in a short amount of time. Yeah, I think whenever everything just kind of got thrown on the guys at once, there, there's probably, especially in this day and age, there's a natural, um, there's a natural inclination to start thinking about, okay, well, what's best for me? Do I need to reach, start reaching out to coaches that recruited me before and see if there's a better spot available? But after everything settled down a little bit and you see the excitement, you see uh, how practices have, have maybe changed a little bit for the offensive guys, probably some excitement defensively with the guys kind of seeing the Venables track record and, and hear the, hearing how the conversation has progressed. So, yeah, I not only is it a good thing, I bet there's probably even a couple of, did I really make the right move here? Did, did, I, did I jump the gun on the transfer situation a little bit? Yeah, I'm um, I'm with you. There probably is a little bit of that. And then this last one, I, I I couldn't ignore it, Ted, because I believe this is the first response to call your shot that we have ever got that is in poem form. Okay. This comes from at bad hop single. Here we go. Let me get in, let in my poetry reading voice. The overflowing feeling, the realization that what I'm seeing is true. The coach I defended. Through collapse and yearly upend is through. In his place, I have seen a cultural shift of what had been is now. Confidence in the unknown, we all believe is true. There is still only one 
OU. How about that? Snaps, snaps for bad hop single. That's pretty good. I did not see that coming. This, huh. this podcast is getting more cultured and more cultured by the day. We got people sending in poems. How was was that just like your typical rhyming or was that like a iambic pentameter type of uh how was that written out? I I have not studied the structure. I'll get back to you on that. Let okay. me uh let me do a little more research. Uh, a stanza, a, a feeling, sonnet of sorts. I have a feeling uh we're going to start getting a lot of poetry uh submissions now. And send us your poems. <laughs> send us them. We're not scared. We we can be cultured. Yeah. We read. What's up? All right, before we get to Rufus, birthday shout-outs. Only a couple. Only a couple here. Okay, this was a very specific request. So here we go. Shout-out to Will Holland, who, lo and behold, turns 34 on Christmas Day. Happy 34th birthday, Will. Happy 34th birthday. Always felt bad for these kids uh, growing up that just got the one gift for – the Christmas slash birthday put together. It's tough. I bet some people give double presents, right? I don't. That's a tough situation. There's no yeah, doubt. That's bad. Happy 40th birthday to Will Melton, a fellow 40-year-old for you, Ted. That's big, big time. We got we to gotta stick together, us 40-year-olds. Happy birthday, Will. And happy birthday to our man, Harry Taylor. Every OU fan knows Harry. Happy birthday, Harry. HJT, happy birthday. All right, let's get to Rufus Alexander. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 560 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. And Love's has everything when it comes to your road trip needs. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including my favorite, Java Amore. People are sending, starting to send me a lot of pictures of coffee, like a lot. I'm hey, getting it a lot. nothing wrong with that. You are the coffee guy. That coffee is fantastic. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Make sure you bank at First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. All right, here's Rufus Alexander. 
it is our pleasure to be joined by a former OU All-American linebacker. He just happened to play for Brent Venables. Rufus Alexander is in the house. Rue, what's going on, man? Man, not too much. I thought you was about to introduce Teddy because, you know, he's a (laughs) bucket and All-American and Lions great. So, I mean, sheesh. He he taught me everything. I learned from him. (laughs) Hey, we all did. We're lucky. I I learned everything from Rocky and Torrance. Passed it on. You passed it on. It's a good group, man. Good coach. Yeah, Yeah, good coach. For sure. Okay. Let's start there. Now, there's no way I'm not starting with your tweet. Did you just want to see the world burn? Or what was that? Like, you're like, VV's at the airport. And... Everyone lost their mind. What, dude? What was that? I went radio. Hey, I did it, and I put my phone down. <laughs> I did it, and I put my phone down for like ten minutes, and came back to my phone, and it was like, woof, fire sale. People were calling me, texting shit. I was like, dude, I was just messing around. I hope I should have put I hope at the back at the end of that. <laughs> that was but, the best thing ever. I, I said, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure everyone you know was texting you and asking you, and I, I you just, I think, sent me back like, uh, I was just messing. I, you would know before I would. I was like, oh my god, that's great. I love it. Yeah, and so for me, it was just kind of like I've never broken a story anyway in my life ever doing, even when I did radio, and I even if I knew something, I would wait till somebody else would say it because. To me, it's not my deal to break. Even if he was coming here, he has guys that he has to talk to. You know, how Coach Venables would do it anyway. If he if he was in town and he was and it was going to be something he was going to do, it was going to be something that he would do it in a classy way, not that he would sneak the story out to somebody or somebody would find out. And that would be wrong to do it in that way. I'm me personally it was just a huge hope of mine that he would be here because I figured, you know, for for Coach Venables. So nobody deserves it to me more than that guy. And he wouldn't to me, he'd be the 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 right choice to do something as well because of just his mentality and how he taught us and how we became became players as men. I mean, he's just been an awesome leader uh in the community and stuff. So it was always a hope of mine that he would come back to OU after all this went down. And so my my lucky tweet became true. So I'm happy about that anyway. Like the Adam Schefter of tweeting about OU head the OU head coaching search. Okay, so what was your reaction when when Lincoln Riley took the USC job? Was your immediate reaction like, "Oh, I hope it is Brent Venables"? Were Were you mad? Were you sad? Like, what 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 all was going through your head when that whole sequence of events went down? For me, you know, was it about? Him leaving, you know, because, again, it's a business. Uh, T- Teddy, were you still there whenever Coach Stoops was talking to us? Was it Florida or Notre Dame when he came to talk to us before he went in and, like, talked to both schools? I, I can't remember, honestly. I, I don't think so. Now, think was- after 2000, I think he went and interviewed for – for, was Spurrier that where it was? Out. Florida Spurry retired, went to Washington, I believe. And then he was he went interview at Florida. Or it may have been Notre Dame. 
One of the two, he went in. I feel like it may. I feel. I feel like after the 2000 season, maybe it was Cleveland. Is that right? Does that sound familiar? I don't remember, but I know everyone was super nervous about it, and right, it's and, a weird feeling. And to me, the way he handled, it, he called. He called the team meeting and said, "Hey guys," and he said this, like a lot of the same things that Coach Stoops said about nobody's bigger than the University of Oklahoma. He repeated that same thing that he told us whenever he was going to look at one of those jobs so that we wouldn't hear it from the media and we heard it from him. And, it mean, it, it, for the guys, you know, it made us all nervous, one, but we all understood. And he explained it, and he said it was because the way we played and what we've done is the reason why he gets to go and take these jobs and opportunity. I was a little bit more hurt for the kids at oh at in Norman than it was that Lincoln Riley left. That was the like there's a way to leave somewhere. And to me it was that was the wrong way to leave. You take the blowback of what's gonna happen in the face of the kids because you went and you talked to people's families. You sat on people's couches. You said I'm gonna take your kid into my school and I'm gonna look after him and all those all those things that coaches say whenever they sit down on your couch and all that stuff. And to say that you made a decision in six hours or seven hours after getting the information. I think that's a slap in the face of the parents that he sat in their houses and told them that he was going to take care of their kids because that's a big decision allowing your kid to go either out of state uh, a long ways. Um, Coach Venables getting hired, I think that was the best situation. I, I think that's the best home run hire they can have. And for Coach Stoops to come off the dang golf course then come out there and like, hey, if we're going to be all right and kind of right the ship, he kind of calmed all the – calmed the seas and stuff a little bit by the things that he said and what he told Sooner Nation. Um, and not – not I don't, I don't know very many schools that have somebody that's on-call Hall of Fame coach that's done it, won a national championship and say, hey, I'm going to come out here and I'm going to calm the seas, coach these guys in the bowl game, coach them hard. Um, calm the recruiting trails and say, hey, and go and talk to parents and be the legend Bob Stoops. There's not very many coaches that can go in a household and be on a – and everybody say Bob Stoops coming in the house and their parents would know exactly who that person is as an interim coach. Everybody knows who Bob Stoops is across the country. And for that guy to come in and say, hey, the universe is going to be all right. We're going to hire somebody good. Uh, that just – for OU, they're lucky they had that in their back pocket. And then they went out and hired a home run guy, a, a coach Stoops guy, and somebody that understood, understands the University of Oklahoma. We're blue collar. I mean, as much as they think that we're five star this and that, it's still a blue collar program, we, a hardworking program. And that's what got us to where we were. That's what Teddy them did before I got there. And that, that thing right there is what I think they lost while Lincoln Riley was there. And I, I've, I've said that after the whole, I think it was the Georgia game going into that second year, watching them went to a few practices, and I was kind of like, bro, this is not even the same team as when Coach Stoops left. And I just, I stopped kind of hanging around the practices and stuff and going out there in the summers. I usually go to a practice in the summers and stuff. Uh, and it, it just wasn't the same. It just didn't feel the same. The guys didn't feel the same. So for me, I like the hire of, of Coach Venables because I mean, there's going to be some different, different stuff's going to go on over there, that's for sure. One of the things we saw was, you know, and I don't know that it's ever a good idea uh, to listen to the fans or 
former players whenever they come out in mass for someone. But that's as soon as the name Venable started being floating around, you saw tons of former players from gosh, uh, all different eras uh, there come out in support. Um, you saw the fan base come out and support like crazy. That that says quite a bit right there. Whenever you coached, you you had definitely some super highs, but also had some lows at Oklahoma too. And um, you know he 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 left and went to Clemson, and and I think that change was good for him. But to see everyone come together and, and unanimous, like a lot of times you make a hire. Some people like it, some don't, but it's been pretty much unanimous across the board that everyone loves that BV's back. Yeah, I think it's more of because of his defensive, what he's done defensively. I think his eye for talent. I mean, everything's about I mean, here lately, everything's been about a five star posing in front of Lamborghinis, all this flashy show me kind of thing. And I think, and it's not even say it's a bad recruiting tool, but it's just, it kind of, trickled off into onto the field uh it's it was all about the me 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 thing it was all about look what i can do and and you know the nil is a huge thing but you also still have to have a a team a team kind of outlook on things and it just seemed like the recruiting style became more about all about the five-star kid to come in there and what coach venables has done like getting athletes and turning them and seeing something like past what they are. I mean, he did it with me. He did it with Curtis Lofton. He did it with the Isaiah, uh, the Isaiah kid, Simmons kid out of Kansas. I mean, this, you can go on and on down the line of three-star kids that he turned into powerhouses and had a few five-stars up front that were really good dudes, but the back end was of hardworking. He does a great job of mixing in the blue-collar kid with the superstar kid that ends up turning in a kid that is a superstar that we didn't even see. And I think that's what he, he did that. I mean, for me, I'm, I never played linebacker a day in my life. I was a skinny defensive end out of Louisiana and he saw me as a, a linebacker and he, he, he does a great job of foreshadowing what guys can be. And he, he does a great job of those things. And you got to love Coach Venables for that. So I think what you'll see on the field is a good mix of it good mix of hard work, good mix of smarts and brilliance of, you know, what kids are supposed to do. And they're going to know where the hell they got to be. And B Hall coming back, I think is one of the most home run hires that you, that one of the biggest home run hires that he, that he did, because I mean, Teddy can tell you about B Hall as well. The dude is like an Eagle eye in the, in the booth. He sees things, he knows calls. He, he knows all the, the small nuances of being a defensive coach as well. And he helped beat Coach Venables a lot whenever he was there at OU. Okay, so Teddy and I have talked about it, but every every guy's got their own experience. So for you, Rue, what what was it like playing for Brent Venables? Like, what are these kids getting themselves into, man? Oh, I mean, man, it's going to be a hate relationship in the beginning. Um, that's That's a fact. I mean – but you'll know when you earn his respect, when he respects your knowledge for the game, uh, whenever he'll discuss, all right, well, what are you seeing right here? And, and then you can, like, talk through defense and stuff in the beginning. But he's going to coach you hard on how to know, know what you're supposed to do. That one inch he's supposed to be somewhere. He's going to flip his lid on a few things. And then as you get better and get more, get a better understanding of what you're supposed to do, 
and get out of your feelings a lot of time. I had to get out of my feelings uh, whenever I got to OU, whenever, um, you know, he would pretty much go off on me and pretty much open my eyes up to learning. Um, and when I started to learn and understood, like, understand, like, well, how the hell does he know this is coming by being over here? How does he know by being one inch this way, I don't get captured by a guard or something? So my as my knowledge got better, man, it was uh, the relationship between me and Coach Venables got better. Um, and I could take my butt chewings whenever I was wrong. Um, but it also helped me to become a better leader to the other guys that would be out there. I would know who messed up and where they messed up at. And I can go to the sideline and say, hey, Coach V, well, he wasn't in this gap and we would know where to go. And I would go to the defensive end or D tackle. Hey, man, you can't get cut off. So it's, it's things like that, man. I, it, what they're getting themselves into is to learn football at the highest level of learning football. Because I went into the into the NFL and I, I didn't have to really learn anything. It was just catching up with the speed. And so Coach Venables, what they're getting themselves into is a hard-nosed coach that's not going to take any nonsense. He knows what he's talking about. And he's not going to compromise on his knowledge. You're going to – but at the end of it, you'll love him for it. I mean, I'm telling you, I got my butt chewed out. And Clint Ingram is like one of the most athletic guys I've know, I've seen play football. And the guy didn't start playing well, Teddy, what, until his last senior, senior year? Sure. His yeah. last year. And that's all until he himself started kind of really start to listen to Coach Venables and stop being Clint and doing what Clint wanted to do. You stop can being- see, guys, where all of a sudden it all just comes together, right? Right. And it, it was amazing. And you see Clint go into the NFL and have a, a really a good career. But Clint was at Clint, – it took Clint to the senior year to figure out, well, damn, he just got knows what he's talking about. Well, let me just go ahead and flow and do what he tells me to do. And, and listen, and I mean, Clint was a totally different dude. And it's just, it's the faster you understand that this dude knows what he's talking about. And I'm going to go ahead and take the chewings and move that inch when he says move the inch and drop where he says to drop and look at, look at the bigger picture instead of looking at what's in front of you. You'll, you'll be able to come along faster and you'll have a better relationship with Coach Venables. And, and I think, I don't know how he is now. They say he's kind of changed a little bit relationship-wise, but, I mean, if you got the younger Coach Venables, it was a different ball game out there. <laughs> I can't say a lot of the stories, but, I mean, it was the bad ones that went out there. So I, I want, I'm just I'm curious to, to hear what you think about how that translates to being a head coach, you know, because we've seen him where he's in the meeting room every single day uh, with a group of guys, he's in individual coaching those guys. He's specifically coaching that group, also as a defensive coordinator. But by as a head coach, and you know, he's got a defensive coordinator that's coaching the linebackers. Like he's, I'm sure he's still going to be in that room pretty much every day. But as like the CEO of the football team, how do you think all of that translates? I think it'll translate well because I think he hired somebody that's he hired Jeff Levy. That's better at what he's not good at doing. Uh, and Jeff Levy had one of the high, a very high octane offense in the SEC and has done well. So I'm thinking he'll, he'll lean on him a lot more and trust his eye on what he does. And that's, to me, I think that's a special hire as far as a head coach if you hire where you're deficient at. Uh, and then he went in on the other side of it. He hired guys that understands his defense and he hires guys that hire guys that he trusts. 
No, he hired got he hired a guy to to coach linebackers, and that he can also give his input on and what he wants done. But he also hired a guy, B. Hall, that's a guy that guy that also knew everything and had he taught from a young age to do a lot of the things that he's comfortable with doing. So I think his hires were very smart, very strategic, and one where he doesn't have to worry about a lot off season. He'll be focusing all on recruiting and teaching and stuff. He will not worry about anything that has to do with training a kid because he trusts and believes in Schmitty and what Schmitty does. Uh, and he's, man, he's been tutored by three of the greatest coaches in, in college football. I mean, you talk about Schneider, who's a grinded out, hardworking, stay all night long, sleep in your office type type of, of, uh, of and boss of other guys. And then you have Coach Stoops, who's a family integrated into it, hard work, hard work, but also has a family motto into everything um, that that gets you, that allows you to understand the importance of family. And then you go to Dabo Dabo Sweeney, who has more of a, you know, spiritual way as well doing things because he wears his spirituality on his sleeves. He talks about his faith in God and different things like that. So, and, and then he talks about the love of loving the player and the athlete and things like that as also. So he's had three of the greatest coaches in college football. And he has three different ways of doing football. And then coach Stoops is a phone call away. Dabo Sweeney's a phone call away. Those guys will want to see him succeed. And I think for him being a CEO, they're going to tell him the, the do's and don'ts. And coach Venables is not a guy that's, too prideful not to listen you know he'll be like all right okay i see what you're saying and then he'll he'll take that advice and stuff so i think he'll be fine as a as a ceo um as a leader of of young men and he'll step up step up for himself when he has to step up for himself rue you you watch the games extremely closely you you mentioned how you thought just from a practice perspective you know things had changed with the program what do you think the biggest differences are going to be, right, from what we've seen these last couple of years with this program under Lincoln Riley to what we're going to see, you know, next year and moving forward under BV? I think the toughness and attitude is going to be something. The culture is going to change. Um, whenever, you know, whenever it all start, whenever it all happened, whenever Coach Stoops retired, uh, in the first – next year, the first thing that happened was the letting go of uh, Jerry Schmidt. Uh, and I said this, like, it takes three years to change a culture at a school. It takes three. Whenever you get rid of somebody that's been a staple of the program, it'll take three years for it all to look different. And it'll take, with the way Coach Smitty does things, it'll take a year, maybe two. And if the talent is really, really good, I mean, you can probably turn it around faster and where they're more disciplined. I think you're going to see a more disciplined team. You're going to see a tougher team. You're going to see a stronger team. You're going to see a team that comes out and they will discipline far as knowing the knowledge of football, but discipline as far as those guys not jumping off sides, getting bad penalties and not fearing the consequences of it. Um, discipline as far as getting your other guys to bring their asses to practice and practice hard or bringing their butts to work out and working out hard. Um, so that whole guys policing themselves things, if they're not policing themselves now, you don't want Schmitty to police because that's the worst part of being police is that guy's policing you and you're in there playing the weakest link on 
the football field where everybody runs until they throw up or somebody's not making their times and you have to come back. You don't want that guy to police you. So when guys start policing themselves, you kind of get back to, you know, the winning of championships and stuff. Um, and so I, I think that was the big difference. You don't, at the time, whenever Lincoln Riley got the team, we didn't, OU didn't need a culture change. They needed some adjustments and tweaks on defense. And he changed the culture and didn't really address the defensive need. He hired, he hired a friend to be a defensive line coach. And that that didn't help out. That didn't help the team. That didn't help anybody. If you go back and you look at it, I mean, it didn't really help a lot of people whenever the first two hires he made was the fire and the hiring that he made was a, was a strength and conditioning coach and a new defensive line coach. And you really didn't get much out of that. You got a culture change and the defense pretty much stayed the same. And so you go into year three, retooling everything. And I think you'll you'll have a program that's a solid program built from the inside out. And it all starts in the off season. Uh, the competition, the strength and conditioning, the level of play. Um, and and, I, and I've said and I've said this plenty of times. I've seen Coach Schmitty transform transform men from from Hakim Millington who left, who couldn't lift the, who could barely lift the bar, to Duke Robertson who was out of shape into a second round draft pick to the Carolina Panthers, to a 380 pound Orlando Brown who turned into a monster All American football player who could barely move when he got at OU. So you're looking at somebody that reshaped men and made them men in first round draft picks, draft picks and guys that couldn't do anything, be able to do something. So I think you look at that as his pedigree of what he can do, man, I think the sky's the limit for this team, especially what they have on the roster and who they kept as coaches. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I, I totally agree. I think one of the things that you hit on it there is pedigree, championship pedigree. Venables has the championship pedigree. Schmitty definitely has it everywhere he's gone. I think like that was one of my 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 complaints with with Lincoln was that I didn't I didn't think he took the strength and conditioning aspect of the program as 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 importantly as it should have been. Like if you go back like Rufus, whenever you play, like everyone knew, like that's that's whenever you win the championship, right? It's all done yeah. through the strength and conditioning program. And I think Lincoln, because he hadn't won a championship anywhere, I think he viewed it as strictly there's strength and conditioning, and then there's football. Like that doesn't develop the culture of our program, but that's really it, right? I mean, that's the nuts and bolts of what you do. Yeah, I think you. That's that's the culture that you have. I mean, if you look at it. You, you look at it from the beginning. I mean, you have winter workouts, a little bit of spring, and then you have that June, that July, and that August where you're building, I mean, 
either they're going they're gonna build their mentality how they are on the field if they're if they go i mean it builds so much their mental toughness their strength and all that and those are the I mean to me that's the most important part of football um and then comes in the, the other part is playing your offense fast and strong like with a bunch of fast strong guys and if you negate that part of it and they just come in there and they kind of go through the motions in that when they get in tough games they'll get bullied when they get down to that that part where they need a defensive stand I mean if they ain't got that mental toughness and they tired and their hands are on their hips they're gonna get pushed around um so it was always a it was always whenever we, we when we lost the bowl game, it's like, well, what did we look like whenever we lost the bowl game? That'll depend. That determined what the winter and the summer is going to look like. If we got pushed around, we about to lift some weight. We about to move some iron in this summer. And if we look like we were gassed, well, dang, June and July is about to be hell on wheels. And I don't know if we're going to make it. This run is going to be serious. So that's where – that's where, you know, that Schmitty thing, that's where the Schmitty factor kind of came in. We lost the bowl game. And it was like, oh, damn, what are we about to do this summer? What's going to be the new the new, uh, mo- the new, new motto on the shirt? That's going to determine how hard this thing's going to be if he's about to kill us or something. So um, I, I, don't, I, I look at those guys, man, and it was a noticeable difference on the field. And like Teddy said, man, I don't think he looked at that component as not as important as – the X's and O's and getting the five-star guy. I think he felt like I got the athlete and I'm just going to do whatever. And they're going to go out there and show out. This was the, I think this year and a little bit of last year, I, you barely saw any breakaway touchdowns. Like you go from D.D. Westbrook running away from people, Hollywood, C.D. Lamb. And this past year, if you go look back at the team, you never saw any guy break away for easy touchdowns. You never saw a guy catch the ball and just take off down the sideline and he's just outrunning guys by a long ways. And so that made the offense kind of bogged down a little bit whenever you go back and look at this past year. And it kind of gotten worse, like it's like from last year to this year, it kind of got like even worse and worse. And Marvin Mims, it was the same guy that he was as a freshman. Hazelwood didn't change much as a player from whenever he got here to now. Kennedy Brooks didn't get more explosive. You just kind of started seeing from like player to player down the line, the offensive line didn't get nastier and pushing people down the line. They just stayed the same. And they kind of almost changed their blocking to position blocking instead of absolutely killing and mauling people. Uh, um, Whenever they won the award, I I watched them and Gabe would talk about it. Whenever they played against Texas and that kid that talked that trash, I've never seen somebody abuse a defensive lineman the way Cody Ford and those guys abuse a kid from Texas in the, in the uh, Big 12 championship game. I mean, physically abused the man. And punt, I mean, it was so bad. And I just, you just never saw that kind of carry over from year to the next year and the next year. And that goes to say their mentality changed. And those was the last group of guys that had a, a lot of Schmitty in them as well. Yeah, you're right. And I think that, I think that some of these young players on this roster are are about to find out a lot about themselves <laughs> because that's Building one thing. Hurts. Jerry, Jerry Schmidt will make you make you question what type of man you are and, and how how much and you actually want football. it, like how how good you want to actually be. Like, and the one thing people keep asking for before we let you get out of here, man, 
You got to give us a Schmitty story. Just one. It doesn't. It, it doesn't have to be a crazy one. I would prefer it is, but just just give us one before before you get out of here. I love the P, uh, PTSD. As soon as you said that, I saw Rufus's head go down. <laughs> uh, so this was whenever they had Coach Ed and Coach Hill, and we were running stadiums. Tommy Harris, I mean, he's on the cover of Sports Illustrated, and we were running stadiums. And, Teddy, it was whenever they didn't have the bleachers out there, right. so we all had a lane. So it was two to a, it was two people to a lane. So when the per- first person get up, and as soon as he touched down, you have to take off and go. So it was Tommy, Bubba Moses. Oh, man, it was a few other guys. I, I don't remember who it all was. It was. And it was me, Michael Hawkins, Travis Wilson that was there. Bubba Moses first hit his shin on that on that on the the, the, the chair thing that that the, uh, the metal framing that the was metal up. framing thing where the the um, seats was be on top of that they unscrewed. So he had to the bone, like you damn near could see his bone whenever he got hit. So this man finished his, I mean, blood all down his all down his socks and stuff, and he's still running his stadiums, going all the way up, touching the wall, coming back down. And Jim and them look at it. He said, nah, man, I'm good. I'm good. He said, I'm not coming back. So Tommy gets up and he's running. Tommy goes up midway and blacks out from the heat. And he said, Tommy, get up and run. Man, I can't see. Get up and run. I can't see. So Jim and Scott, they go up, get Tommy halfway up. And he does, comes down and they're walking Tommy down. And I'm sitting there. I'm looking at Michael Hawkins. I look at Travis Wilson. I'm like, damn, that's Tommy Harris. And he's not making it. So we go up, and I'm like, look at Bubba Moses' leg, and it's bleeding. And so we're going up. We get on, like, number, like, nine. So, you know, when you get to the top and you stop and your legs start shaking? So Travis Wilson taps out. He said, man, I can't go no more. All right, get down. And, you know, Coach Egg used to say, go ahead, Rook, get down, Rook. So he walks to the outside and walks down the stairs. Michael Hawkins taps out and hides in the tunnel, tunnel way, and I miss I missed the last two times. So they said that we had to stay and we had to run them again. So here we are running them again. And I'm just going me. So they let me, Travis and Hawk all run in the same, the same line. So we had a little bit more time to rest. I'm looking, I'm running. Boom. Next thing you know is I'm going down and this Travis just down there. Michael Hawkins is on the ground in the tunnel. And I'm and I come down and it's like go Rufus and I'm like well dang where Hawk at and he's like go and I go up run mine come back down and the next thing you know it's just me and Travis is in the in the in the tunnel too and then Coach Ed from the top says go and I'm like what so I tap and go back up I ran five more of them so then I go you know how you used to go from the stadium and you have to go down that little tunnel and you have to do your med balls after you ran those stadiums. So I'm doing med balls and Coach Ed's throwing it to me and Travis and Hawk are still in the tunnel, going up, <laughs> laying down on the cold on the cold concrete. And I'm over there doing doing med balls. And this is my freshman year. So I'm 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 like dead tired and I cramp up in my neck. And Coach Ed throws the ball and I mean it hits me dead in the face. <laughs> All this demand, and he threw it hard. I mean, I caught it right in the face. Boom. And I go ahead and he said, Go get the ball, Rook. Go get the ball. So I get the ball, cramping in my neck, grabbing the ball one hand, throw the ball with one hand, catching it down with one the other hand. <laughs> and Schmidt's just standing there with his whistle and just saying, "Go get your count, get your count." And I'm like, "No, I can't finish this." 
And sure enough, I mean, they took it easy on me and I end up making the rest of it, which if they were still as hard on me as they were the other guys, it's like, well, damn, this kid over here just took this guy hit in the face of the mad ball, did all the all that we asked him to do on the uh, on the freaking stadium. And he still stayed here and, and took it the whole entire time. We're going to let him make it. And I think that's how workouts always happen with those guys, man. I would go through workouts thinking it was easy. Then there was workouts where I think they would tell you no good on the times just to see how you would react mentally because I know a lot of times I ran the same entire same speed as I did the times before that, and I would make it easy. And this time I couldn't make it. He just mentally would mess with me all the time. That's that how I count. put everything out. That count, man, there's there's a there's a gray area. Like say the time is 16, 14, 15, 16. There's a gray area right there where everyone <laughs> it's depending on what type of day they're trying to have, right? Right, man. I used I hated that, man. And I'm telling you, those stadiums, when they did it that day, I would never I've never heard that bad. And my legs shook. Like I get to the top and you just don't stop. Once you touch the wall at the top, you have to come right back down. If you stop, my legs instantly started shaking and cramping. And that man said, come back, start over later on. And I'm like, what? Come back, start over. There's no way I'm going to make this. And sure enough, I made it through. But it's no way I, I ran them as fast as they wanted them to. They just want to see mentally how you're going to react to it, if you're going to come back and give effort. And that's the, the mental game of, you know, you get into a game and that's where you learn it from. Um, you're going to get tested and battled in the game. So you get tested in battle in the offseason. What happens whenever it doesn't go your way? Uh, you think you did something right, and they say, no, you didn't do it right, and you have to go back and repeat it. Do you get pissed off, feel sorry for yourself, or do you go at, go at it and attack it better than you did the time before that? And I think that's the mentality and who Schmitty is as a person. He's going to test to see who you are as a person. And either you're going to doubt if you can play football or even be at Oklahoma, or you're going to say, oh, hell no, I'm not going to let this little man – beat me up and, and beat me at this or take it away from me. That was an awesome story. Rue, you're the man. Uh, appreciate right. the time as always. I'm sure, I'm sure we'll see you soon. feel like yeah. I haven't seen you in forever. I know, man. I'm, I'm going to get up. I'm going to get up there and uh, check out a practice or two whenever they get back and they really get after it in the spring. I'm sure we'll run into, run into each other in the spring. All right. Sounds good, man. All right, man. See y'all later. Man, Rufus is the best. What a story. Crazy. Dropping like flies with Schmitty, right? God, <laughs> I can't we see. All, we all have those the stadiums. You, how pissed is Schmitty that they changed the south end zone? Oh, my gosh. I bet he's furious. So I remember that summer that Rufus is talking about, you know, because every, every year there's like a different uh, emphasis on, on some things. That year we did – med ball throws like because they had all the bleachers off so you just had like those concrete steps so there was no like you hung off the off of a step and threw it to a partner um that was just standing there holding like standing on your feet so you know what i'm saying so there was like it's like a deficit uh med ball it was it was chaotic to say the least did not go as expected. It was a slaughter. Oh yeah. We did decline med ball, uh, during a winter and, Oh, just a bloodbath.
All right, let's get to the National College Football Roundup. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back total control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. Guys, Christmas is here, so you know what that means. It's 75 degrees today, 40 tomorrow, which means it's seltzer season. And there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Sonic Hard Seltzer from Coop Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it in the hot tub, by the fireplace, and at the tailgate. You can buy 12 packs of the iconic Sonic drive-in flavors like Cherry Limeade and ocean water, or you can grab a citrus variety pack or a tropical variety pack. You can find it at your local grocery convenience and liquor stores. And Gabe, I have been Sonic hard seltzering my ass off this week. That a boy. And the cherry limeade one, it's Christmas color. So you're like, oh, this is for Christmas. Duh. It's my favorite, but the close second is like what you were talking about. The, what is the classic lemonade? Yeah. Just the really lime good. one. It's fantastic. Yep. Awesome. Oof. All right, National College Football Roundup. Let's get an update on the college football QB carousel as it continues to spin. Grayson McCall, if if you are a fan of Coastal Carolina, you are a very happy person this week. This guy has been the Sun Belt Player of the Year back-to-back seasons. Coastal Carolina has gone 22-3 and in the last couple of years. Grayson McCall coming back for another year. Ted, I, I know they, they've got a unique offense, they're under Chadwell, uh, kind of triple option principles, but they throw it around quite a bit. But he is he's one of the more consistent quarterbacks in all of college football and probably doesn't get enough recognition. But this is big for Coastal Carolina. I, I think it's good for college football as well. No, I, I totally agree. Coastal Carolina has turned into a really good football program. And the fact that they're getting him back for, an, for another season is going to be awesome. It tells me pretty much that Coastal Carolina is about to make another run and, and have another big-time year. Uh, he's got a great record there. The numbers he, put, he has put up are ridiculous, and he's surrounded by some pretty good skill players, which, I mean, it's amazing. There's a lot of really good skill players across the country. If you get a good quarterback in a good system and they're coached well, you can see some of those guys really flourish. So uh, I bet the rest of that football team's excited as well. Yeah. No doubt about it. All right, Keaton Slovis, former USC Trojan who, who bounced once Lincoln Riley arrived. Not sure that is a is a coincidence at all, but he is headed to Pitt. And, man, it was only a few years ago that JT Daniels was transferring from USC because it seemed like Keaton Slovis was the guy moving forward. And remember last year, and I know the COVID year, uh, 2020 was really weird, but USC was five and one under Slovis. And, and now he's moving all the way across the country 
to Pittsburgh, and I, I'm sure Pat Narduzzi is hoping he can fill the shoes uh, or fill the void that is left with Kenny Pickett departing for the NFL. But who knows? But Slovis to Pitt, how about that? And wasn't it b- before JT Daniels, wasn't it? Was it Max Brown? Yeah, Was and he didn't before- he transfer to Pitt too? He transferred. It's been like, boom, one after another since uh, since Sam Darnold, uh, it feels like. So, yeah, that's wild. It's weird, man. The, it, really, the transfer stuff has been more quarterback-driven than anything. It's you come in, you have an opportunity. If it doesn't go well, you transfer out. If they change coaches, you transfer out. Uh, if you don't get an opportunity, you transfer out. It it's just it's musical chairs right now at the quarterback position. It's been it's been really weird. I it, it can't be like this everywhere, but I always look back at Alabama and the guys that have stuck it out there have ended up having a lot of success and things have gone well. And I know it's it's different at a lot of places, but I don't know. I still believe until proven otherwise that staying somewhere, continuing to progress, get better. If you do everything right and you've got the talent, you're going to find yourself on the field and you'll be better for it in the long run. But that's it. No one cares what I think about that. This is going to continue to happen. <laughs> yeah, especially at the quarterback position. Yep. Uh, another update for the QB carousel. Jack Miller. Highly recruited name. guy, fantastic name. He is. He's leaving Ohio State, right? Hopped in the portal a couple weeks ago. Uh, I think after they they lost to Michigan, and with Emory Jones entering the transfer portal, now Jack Miller is going to Florida to battle Anthony Richardson for the starting quarterback job there under Billy Napier. So I like Billy Napier collecting talent at the quarterback position, creating some competition there in Gainesville, but Jack Miller that I, I don't even know who that guy is, but apparently he was really highly recruited guy has just been sitting there in Columbus. So yeah, if you're, if you're Napier, why not? Yeah, I don't know. I sure Jack Miller. um, Is there anyone left in Ohio state's quarterback room now? It's (laughs) all of a sudden everyone's transferred out. Uh, But Hey, that's what happens. CJ Stroud goes out, has a really nice year. And as a coach, it's like, Hey, we got a great quarterback. But on the other hand, every other quarterback in the room is going to transfer out and go somewhere else. So, um, it's really weird. It's, it's crazy, but it's the sport we love. So get used to it. Yeah. And, and then uh, an update on Casey Thompson, uh, talks to a couple people. seems like he's got some really good options right now. Of course, they're monitoring what happens at the University of Oklahoma, but keep your eye on Nebraska, and that was your prediction, right, with Adrian Martinez going to Kansas State that all of a sudden Scott Frost, they've got a need at quarterback. Now that Bo Nix has gone from Auburn, Casey Thompson would make some sense for Auburn you know, with his mobility, but also he's a better passer than Bo Nix. And then Ole Miss, right? Matt Corral moving on. We'll we'll see, but I I think there was 
there was some stuff. There were some connections at UCF, but with GJ Kinney, I think he got the head coaching job at Incarnate Word or something like that. Uh, I don't know if that affects Casey Thompson's interest in UCF, but some pretty good options for for the uh, for the Oklahoma product. Yeah, I, it's interesting. You go from from Texas and you could just kind of wait things out and see, see where everyone lands and go to the highest bidder, so to speak, whenever it it comes to uh, what's left out there, Nebraska. It'd be really hard to transfer to Nebraska, wouldn't it? You know, I, I, you've just seen them. They haven't been able to get over the hump. Um, But remember, they just hired Whipple from right. Pitt. They stole him. He's mm-hmm. now the offense coordinator. So if you're Casey Thompson, you're looking at it going, okay, do I trust that guy enough after watching what he just did for Kenny Pickett? Can he do that for me at Nebraska? Right? I that is that's an intriguing scenario if you're if you're Thompson, I would think. Yeah. Yeah, it it is. I you know, if you take his, his athleticism and some of the things that he can do, you take that to the Big Ten, a uh, chance that he could have some success. It would be really weird that a former OU player's son plays for both of OU's biggest rivals, but makes for a cool story, I guess. We yeah. see him two years in a row, once at Texas and once at Nebraska. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, it would It'd be interesting for sure. All right, a couple bowl highlights from bowl games that went down this week. We got to start. We haven't given Tulsa a lot of love this year on the podcast. And well, it's because they haven't been very good. I'm, uh, I'm sorry, golden hurricane fans, <laughs> but it, they, they ended their season on a high note, beating old dominion in the Myrtle beach bowl. By the way, Marty Smith and Ryan McGee on that broadcast were just, I mean, those guys are incredible together. <laughs> they are, they're awesome, but golden hurricane didn't get off to a good start. In this one, gave up a hundred yard uh, touchdown on a kickoff return to start the football game, but then they settled in. Davis Brin, he was really efficient in the passing game. Uh, found Josh Johnson quite a bit in that one. Uh, Golden Hurricane ran it pretty efficiently with Shamari Brooks, but really thought Tulsa's defense controlled the game, and they should because ODU uh, they're not very good. That, but a, a nice a nice way for Phil Montgomery's team to finish the season, taking some positive energy into the offseason. Yeah. Uh, Tulsa's done a pretty good job. Um, Montgomery's done a pretty good job there in recent years. You know, it, it, they're like a lot of programs. It's kind of going to go up and down uh, whenever you get a good group of veteran guys together and maybe have hit on a couple of, really nice, talented players. You can have some breakout years, but then there's going to be some rebuilding in between. He's done a pretty good job kind of narrowing the gap between those really good years and the down years. So, yeah, it was an interesting game. What was that played like? It kicked off at like 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock on uh, Monday. Yeah, let's get weird on a Monday afternoon. Why not? (laughs) Hey, but, you know, it's not bad. I was able to watch it while I did my radio show. Did... Uh, now, uh, I assume Tulsa fans that watched that game were like, Davis Brin, where's this been all year, man? <laughs> what the hell? But there's no doubt the most memorable play of that game 
we do we have an epidemic of punters going rogue in college football? I mean, what was Tulsa's punter doing in the fourth quarter? It was like fourth and 16. He runs out to the right and he's like, what was going through his head? Because there was like five ODU defenders that tackled him behind the line of scrimmage. Like, did he black out? Was he just like, I'm doing it. Here we go. Like, I don't understand how these things continue to happen from college football punters. Like, what is happening? Again, I've I've hit on this a million times. This is one of those things where college football needs to end the madness. The punt rule in college is ridiculous. Everyone can release downfield before the punter punts the football. So what they've done is they've given him a little bit of leeway. They've said, snap it. And not everyone does this, but some teams do. And hold the ball as long as you can. Let your coverage get downfield and then punt the football. And when they've done that, you know, a lot of teams will turn and chase the guys down there and there's no one left covering the punter and they can maybe pick up an easy first down. As soon as you start to give those guys a little bit of room to make decisions, it's going to bite you. And it has. It's bitten several people at several different times. Just make the rule the same as the NFL, please, so I can stop watching this insanity. The punt in college football is ridiculous. We we got to rein these punters in, man. They're bad. They're losing it. They're losing it. I that was, it was so bad. It's such a bad decision. Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, w- the other thing from a bowl game. Called my first bowl game as an analyst on How'd the radio. Did you like it? It was it was different, man. Now I had Toby rolling with me, so had the best in the business, kind of holding my hand through the entire thing. So I was on the call with T Row for the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl, which by the way is a mouthful, but it was a good game, good matchup. UTSA, yeah. San Diego State. All right, UTSA coming in, twelve and one football team, uh, won their conference title game, conference USA, San Diego State, eleven and two football team. Uh, lost in the Mountain West Championship game. Had a bunch of players out in that one. But so this was, I mean, you look at combined records, other than the college football playoff games, this matchup had the best combined record between the two teams of any other bowl game. So it, it was it was exciting to be part of that, you know, just a small part of the broadcast. But <laughs> do you want to talk about the game or do you want to talk about what there, there was something that happened before the broadcast that I know you will love. I want to talk about the broadcast. Okay. Well, first of all, Toby Rowland's incredible. I mean, he is, it, it's hard to describe uh, unless you're in the booth with him, which obviously you are for every OU game. It's hard to describe how many things he is doing at one time and doing them all seamlessly. Like it is. The guy's, he's got a massive brain. I mean, massive brain, and he is, he's incredibly talented. I mean, it was, it was the first time I really got to sit and watch him do his thing, Ted. Holy shit, that man is, he's amazing. And it's all done in a very calm, easy, delivered, you know, I, it, when there, if there's ever like any anxiety about, oh my gosh, it's these two teams, do I know enough? Is there, I, am I prepared? He's just, 
it's easy. You just sit back and watch and enjoy the game and, and let him take you on the ride and hopefully just don't screw it up, right? It's pretty easy. He makes it really easy. So the most challenging thing for me is like you watch the play, right? And you're trying to see like the big picture of the play, but then you've got the TV monitor in there of the TV broadcast that is a couple of seconds behind and you can turn and watch the play again before you have to say anything, right? The TV monitor, the TV feed was like 20 seconds behind. Yeah. So I was, I was blind, blind, no replay. So I was like, all right, by the way, you really got to focus like on the game <laughs> when you're from an, when you're, when you have to say something almost every play. So I, I did my best. It could have sounded horrible, but with Toby doing the play by play, like I know it sounded awesome because he's, I mean, he's, he's the best there is, dude. It was, it was pretty fun to get to work with him in that capacity. But I, I got to tell you this story. And by the way, the game, really good game. San Diego State, they ended up taking control. Uh, I thought Lucas Johnson, their quarterback, he was really impressive. Threw for like 333, had four to total touchdowns. Jesse Matthews, wide receiver that wears number 45, which, what? He, Ouch. That's <laughs> he, But he dominated the game, man. I mean, he, he absolutely dominated the game for San Diego State and UTSA, they just they couldn't get stops defensively. San Diego State has had some they've had a nice run of of pretty good skill players out there. Brady Hoke is doing a really good job with that program. Mm -hmm. They just built a new stadium they're moving into next year. They haven't played a home game in two years. Really? Two full years. They've been playing up in like Carson, California. Weird. I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah, I, I know. And UTSA's best player, Sincere McCormick, their star running back, he didn't play. But this is the highlight of the broadcast, undoubtedly. So there was no pregame. We didn't have to do anything at halftime. There was no postgame. So it's like the best possible scenario for a broadcast. And right before we're going on air, like five minutes before you know, we, we got to start, we're talking to the engineer, a guy named Blake in there and I say something and I forgot what I said, but he gets in our ears. And he's like, Oh, you guys, you guys can cuss. Like Gabe, if you need to cuss, you can just hit the talk back and you can cuss like that. That's fine. <laughs> the look on Toby <laughs> Rowland's face when this man said it was priceless. He looked at, he looked at him and he looked at me <laughs> and you could see just pure terror that he was uh -huh. like, no, 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 don't. No, because you cannot tell him that. <laughs> there was there was a uh, an email that we received from Learfield my first year of doing the radio broadcast for the Sooners where uh they basically said, "You know, you, you guys may want to tone down the language in the in the commercial breaks." We all knew who that email was directed towards. <laughs> so, but this guy that we had never met, right? Tell me, yeah, dude, it's cool if you cuss. Just make sure you hit talk back. Toby's face, his reaction, like, no, like it was, it was That's like so a dad telling his son, "You cannot do that." It was that was by far the best part of the broadcast. It was unbelievable. That's I will never great. forget the look on his face when that guy said that. Like, oh yeah, you can cuss. Just hit talk back. He was like, he almost got whiplash. He turned so quickly. <laughs> Just so everyone knows. Whenever, whenever we're doing our regular OU broadcast, 
when we go to commercial break, sometimes what we say during commercial break can still be going out into the stadium feed. So usually, like if you're in stadium, we put out a like a, a different FM channel and you can tune into it in the stadium and get the broadcast directly from upstairs. But it's like we broadcast, it goes to Jefferson City, comes back to us, and then we put it out on the FM. But sometimes they have to take the direct feed from in the stadium right there where we're broadcasting it. So everything that we say during the breaks and everything can go out. And there's always a big panic as to is everything we're saying going out? Can we say this during the break? Can we not? And <laughs> it's just every now and then there's some there's some funny moments that happen. And we're all like, I sure hope that we are not on air right now. <laughs> Which is why I text you my deepest and darkest thoughts during the <laughs> football right. game. That's right. Right, Something we may have on. to like uh, make public the the text thread during the game of what what we've seen that we're really talking about. How about we don't? <laughs> All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first, concussions are part of football. They don't have to be part of your pool party. Nip the slip with soft rocks, rubber safety surfacing, and spend more time enjoying your outdoor pool outdoor pool parties and less time worrying about a slip and fall on your pool deck soft rock of okc specializes in customized slip resistant decorative rubber surfacing for your pool decks patios walkways and gym floors local business owners heidi and cody clark at soft rock of okc are ready to help you prevent that next slip visit softrock.com slash okc that's s-o-f-t-r-o-c.com slash okc for more information the clark's also on the driveway company the driveway company has tailored solutions to eliminate all of your driveway problems. They can repair cracks, clean and seal your rotting grass field joints to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit thedrivewaycompany.com slash OKC for all of your driveway repair needs. Learn more about Soft Rock and the Driveway Company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405-294-9834. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, Contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? I got to go with A-Rod, Aaron Rodgers, uh, ties Brett Favre, 442 uh, touchdown passes. Incredible what he's done. He looks like a player that, used to play in the NFL and is now homeless, uh, but somehow still goes out week in and week out and absolutely just makes some of the most beautiful throws, uh, amazing reads. The skill he has is just still, in my opinion, second to none. Fun to watch. I don't know how much longer the guy's going to play, but uh, pretty impressive to, to tie a record from Favre that 
look like a, at one point maybe be impossible, but Aaron Rodgers has done it, and uh, he's another great game. Gets the win over Baltimore. Uh, the dude is just – he's unbelievable. And all of a sudden you look up, they're 11-3, and three, number one seed in the NFC, and with how much Dallas appears to be struggling to find things offensively and with the injuries that Tampa kind of piled up this weekend, man – Starting to feel like they are, they're the team to beat in the NFC. Am I, am, am I the only one thinking that way? That's kind of how it feels to me. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, and obviously for them, home field in the playoffs is always a big deal. If they can get that and end up with the best record. Um, yeah, it, it's starting to look that way. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, Tampa losing Godwin. Um uh, Fournette going down. So yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. It's interesting to see what's going to, there's always going to be some drama at the end of the year in the NFL for standings and stuff and, uh, and, um, seeding where you're going to be in the, in the playoffs, but Aaron Rodgers somehow after no off season, I guess, hanging out in Hawaii looked like maybe smoking a lot of weed and playing the ukulele nonstop and letting the beard grow still just shows up and, dominates it's amazing some guys just got it man <laughs> that's right that's right no disrespect to arizona and the rams they're both still in the picture there but something just feels off with the cardinals and then the rams i don't know well once again just well, feel feels a little off with hopkins going down and i don't know if he'd be able to make it back for the playoffs i guess there's some rumors of that but um it's it's a long season, and if you can't keep all your guys healthy at the end of the at the end of the year in the playoffs, it's it's going to make a big difference. And Green Bay's been on the bad side of that a ton, the injury stuff. Yeah, no doubt. All right, who do you have as your loser of the week? I, you know, I, of of course, it comes pretty far down on the totem pole of what matters, really. But playoff fantasy football, it, like all of the guys going out with the COVID right now, it's been it's crazy. It's crazy to watch how this thing is going to come down to an end uh, in fantasy football. Obviously, uh, that doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot, but with a bunch of stars, one, getting injured, and two, the COVID list, what, six guys on the Chiefs now out with COVID, um, and I think got, it's going to continue You got to my swell. man the belldozer again. He's oh, got it again. No. Well... Hey, he's going to have some really good built-in natural immunity, okay? I hope. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> at, at what point do you start questioning your immune system, right? Yeah. Like, I, who knows? Who knows? But, yeah, man, that it's – we talked about it earlier when it comes to college football. It's It's starting to really feel like the NFL playoffs, and I know they dialed the testing back. Right. And the, the guys that are fully vaccinated, they're not going to test them un, unless they get symptoms or unless they're showing symptoms. So maybe that'll change things a little bit. But yeah, it's starting to feel like COVID's going to have a big effect on some big games down the stretch in the National Football yeah. League. And that shit, they that's almost just canceled really three. They yeah, almost canceled that. three games. So yeah. Yeah. Did you play fantasy this year? I did, unfortunately. Oh, I've played boy. in two leagues for a long time, and it pisses me off every year. 
every year I say I'm never doing it again. And then the next year rolls around. It's like, Oh, okay. I'll do it. Yeah. I'll twist my arm. All right. If you are a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You got to grab some of Balcones lineage, single malt whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by whiskey advocate. And you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. Its big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. In 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the Best in Glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen, and became the first American distillery to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit BalconesDistilling.com. New sponsor alert and a new ad read for you. Opolis Clothing has the coolest OU shirts. Their shirts are great, buttery soft, and they last forever. There you see Gabe. For our YouTube followers, uh, sporting one today, Bob or Bud Barry, Bob Brent, program guy. Yeah. Uh, their shirts are the best. Opolis also has great OKC Thunder gear. Go to opolisclothing.com. That's O P O L I S clothing.com and use the promo code. This is a hard one to remember TED, T E D. And you'll get 15% off your entire order. That's opolisclothing.com and use the promo code TED, T-E-D, for 15% off. What do you think of the promo code? They let me pick it. <laughs> Love it. Keep it simple, right? I was like, I was like, <laughs> what will be really simple and also make Ted kind of mad, but also kind of excited? <laughs> Perfect. I love it. Good All stuff. Right, for my winner of the week. I'm going with the Philadelphia Eagles, man. We we got some Tuesday night NFL football, which was a little different, but Eagles beat the Washington football team 27-17, and Jason Kelsey getting out and, and running on that screen, you know, stride for stride with Miles Sanders is just one of the most damn beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. Like, that dude's athleticism is nuts. Yeah. But Washington was missing a ton of guys, right? But it wasn't looking good for the Eagles early Jalen Hurts had one of the weirder interceptions you'll see, right? Goddard drops it, then kicks it up in the air for an interception. Then Hurts fumbled and kind of got chewed out heading to the sideline, too. I was like, dang, okay, Sirianni. But the Eagles, they ended up riding the ship. Uh, thought Hurts, I uh, thought he played a really nice game after those, you know, those first two drives that, you know, were clearly not ideal, turning the football over, but he threw it really well, uh, had a couple of the rushing touchdowns. That offensive line from the Eagles, man, they they were putting in some work, and they mauled Washington, you know, kind of for the last three quarters of that football game. Ended up rushing for 238 yards. Damn. I mean, the Eagles, they, they've got the Giants, and they got Washington again, and then they've got the Cowboys to finish the season. This was a really big win for their playoff chances and with the way that the game started. And I know that, you know, Washington was depleted, but to fight back 
to win the game the way they did, kind of the dominant physical style that they played with offensively. I thought I thought that was pretty pretty good performance by the Eagles. Yeah, uh, if if they can run the football the way they did, uh, closing out the season, that's going to take them a long, long way. Should be able to beat the Giants. Um, you know, if Dallas can't get it going offensively, their defense is playing uh, way better. Obviously, um, Parsons is just unreal for them. But yeah, if if you can win the line of scrimmage the way they did and dominate on the ground and you know, just take care of the football. You know, that interception that you talked about, some stuff is going to happen out there, but they can take care of the football and run it the way they are. they got a chance. They have some drama there in the East. Yeah. The the NFC beast, right? Yeah. All right. For my loser of the week, thought about going with the Seahawks. But I was speaking of Tuesday night football, lost to the Rams, which means that Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks will have their first losing season in a decade, which Crazy. speaks to the consistency that that organization has had. But that, I mean, that's really tough to do in the National Football League. But yeah, just a, just kind of a bummer for Seahawks fans. You, you hate to see a Seattle team struggle because everyone knows Seattle's our favorite city. <laughs> right. No, it's, it's Wait, crazy. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, West, uh, Westbrook Russell Wilson you know with the injury stuff whenever he missed time uh with the finger and was able to, to come back it's you know it's it's tough like to go 10 years to to stay healthy to have things you know not just derail your season really tough to do but not losing any sleep over that one yeah but my loser of the week the LA Lakers man and and I know you're not watching NBA yet Ted although close it's almost Christmas, man. Right. But I happened to I happened to be watching the other day somehow. I don't know how or why, but I was watching whenever Anthony Davis got hurt. Yeah. Started the week with the news that Anthony Davis is going to miss some time with the sprained MCL. Then Tuesday, they lost to the Suns. And the Suns are good, right? Especially now Devin Booker is healthy again. Like that's a good basketball team. Nothing wrong with them losing. But LeBron rolled his ankle, looked a little hobbled the rest of the way. Now he kept playing, ended up with 34 points. He he played well, but didn't look like he was moving around very well as that game wrapped up. But so you've got a banged up LeBron. Anthony Davis is out for a while. I mean, hey, shocking, I know. But in this game, as I was watching it back on DVR, the at one point, the Lakers lineup was Westbrook, Isaiah Thomas, Carmelo Anthony, Trevor Ariza, and Rajon Rondo. <laughs> and I was looking at the lineup. I was like, how is that possibly an NBA lineup in the year of our Lord 2021? Three point guards. And it was just, I just looked at the lineup and I paused it. I was like, what? Oh my. And you look at, they started, Taylor Horton Tucker. They started Wayne Ellington. They started DeAndre Jordan. Like I, I think Horton Tucker was like one of thirteen in this mm. game. Isaiah Thomas was like one of eleven. All of a sudden, you look up. The Lakers are a five hundred basketball team. They're sixteen and sixteen. When they traded those pieces for Westbrook, everyone was kind of like, "What are they doing?" Seems like 
they're getting rid of some good guys. Like, and how's this all going to fit together? It hasn't, man. And I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what moves they can make, but the Lakers ain't winning anything this year. I know that. Nothing. No. Like, no chance. Well, it, it, you're right. I feel like LeBron has done this thing as he's gotten older to where he's not even going to put out any effort at all or try and stay on the court consistently until the playoffs and then try and be healthy and, and make a run there. But that's, you've got to be really talented to do that. Uh, we do have to talk about Austin Reeves hitting that game winner uh, on that kick out from Russell Westbrook. That was pretty cool to see him hit that. But have you ever had a sprained MCO? No, I was like, you know, listen, I had one pretty much one significant injury in my football career and it was my rookie year in the NFL and it was total explosion of the right knee. Other than that, I was unbelievably healthy for an offensive lineman. Yeah, I just had I had a grade 2 MCL sprain one time. Listen to this. A Saturday walkthrough. A practice squad player dives for a football and come in hammers into my knee <laughs> did you fight know. him uh, he he got cut it was he was like it was his first week there and he was it was like weird stuff all week with him and it was it was bad but here's the thing i played the next day with it and you can play with the mcl now basketball obviously is 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 it's different than football and i understand that but if you would have seen anthony davis with his sprained mcl it looked like he got shot by a sniper out there he went down on the floor rolled around in agony finally they helped him to his feet he walked maybe five steps collapses to the ground again they carry him off to the side he sits on the bench for a little bit, and then there's a camera shot of him going down the tunnel, and he collapses in the tunnel again down to the ground. <laughs> it was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. It was I, like, <laughs> and the Oscar goes to. Oh man, I live in Hollywood, man. Give him a break. I, so you always give yourself shit for saying that Anthony Davis was going to be too skinny to succeed right. in the NBA. Dude, is I and I've heard other people talk about it. Like, is he getting like a little fluffy or like too big? Like, that dude is know. big now, like thick. I don't know. Yeah. It's just weird. Like, I I don't know if that's playing a role. And I guess he was getting injured when he was skinny, so I, maybe he's just injury prone. But I mean, it seems like I don't know if he's living in the weight room or if he's eating different. I don't know, man. But he, it's like someone took an air pump to that dude's upper body and just. Yeah, it's like chest and shoulders, too. They just keep going, yeah, you're right. It's, I don't know. It's weird, but. He heard what you said, is, and he was like, I'll show Layman. Yeah, he's a walking injury right now. Well, I guess not even a walking, a collapsing injury every fourth step. That was hilarious. I couldn't stop laughing at it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we got to end on that. Episode 175 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Monday morning. We'll preview the Alamo Bowl with our man, Jeff Schwartz. 
Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Merry Christmas, everybody. Hope you guys get everything you want. Hope everyone is safe. Enjoy the time with your family. Uh, we are incredibly thankful that you guys listen to this podcast and support what we're doing. So, so Merry Christmas. And enjoy the holiday season. Until next time. We appreciate y'all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.